Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome everybody to another edition of AA Live. It's lovely to have you with us this evening. Uh, my name's Tony S and I am a sober alcoholic. Um, hey Tony. Hi Tony. G'day guys, it's, um, it's a pleasure to have Victory and, uh, and Mike with us to, uh, tonight as well and they'll be um, offering their um, ideas and um, opinions throughout the show as well. Uh, this is a, a, obviously a show that, that um, explores the AA uh, way of Life or Alcoholics Anonymous uh, Way of Life is a recovery program and we're just happy to be here tonight to share it with you. Um, Victor, uh, would you like to uh, get into the preamble and, and that, uh, please? Sure. Uh, and I thought, oh, before we do that, perhaps we could have a, a, a little uh, serenity prayer just to kick us off. Would that be Sounds okay great. Yep. Yeah. Okay, mm. hey, by the way, I'm, I'm Victor E. I'm an alcoholic, by the <laughs> way. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll just head into that then. Okay, so God, God. God. Grant, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. Cool. Okay, then, thanks for that. Um, guys, and um, also I have another um, task, like you mentioned, just to read our preamble. It tells us what Alcoholics Anonymous is about and uh, what we do. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And just a wee footnote to that, um, you know, the uh, opinions that we express on the show here are mainly our own and we we, we just want to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous and and uh, so we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous but we just like to share about Alcoholics Anonymous and the gift of sobriety that's certainly come my way. Yeah, awesome, um, Victor. Yeah, no, well said. Um, I think you know, um, you know, we should get into more about alcoholism, and I think this particular uh, passage out of chapter three sort of sums up a lot of things. And uh, Mike, would you like to read that um, for our listeners? Oh, I'd be delighted to. Thank you very much, uh, Tony. My name is Mike, and I'm still an alcoholic. And oh, this Mike. is g'day, Mike. Yeah, thanks, guys. And this is a portion of chapter three, more about alcoholism. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think that he or she is bodily and mentally different from his or her fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterised by countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he or she will control 
and enjoy his or her drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We learnt that we had to fully concede to innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently may be, has to be smashed. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost our ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralisation. We are convinced to a man and woman that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period we get worse, never better. We are like men and women who have lost their legs. We never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other people. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there has been brief recovery, followed always by still more, uh, by a still worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree that there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe that they are in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who has shown inability to control his or her drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman or woman, our hats are off to them. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever, with and without a solemn oath, talking, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums, we could increase the list ad infinitum. Wonderful, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, and, and Mike's reading out of um, out of the literature from Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's the fourth edition. Um, and you know, this is a book that's uh, written by alcoholics for alcoholics. Um, and I actually I turn to it quite often because I think it's just a wonderful conversation. Um, that it has with me, and I really identify with. I don't. What do you guys think? Do you think oh, it's no? Look at yeah. Mm. I totally agree with that too, Tony, because it's a living document, really. In mm. some ways, I, you know, I read things in there today, and you know, I, I'm. Why didn't they see that before? You know, sort of mm. thing. So, yes. uh, you could say, well, maybe my um, my uh, p- the way I view things has changed. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's how I see it too. Well, I tell you what, everyone, what do you say we get a little bit jiggy with it, with our first track uh, from from Will Smith? Well, nice. Bring it. Your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance, floor, pro. I know, you know, I go psycho when my new joint hit. 
just can't sit. Gotta get jiggy with it. That's it. Now, honey, honey, come ride. TKNY, all up in my eyes. You gotta try to bag with a lot of stuff in it. Give it to your friend, let's spin. Everybody looking at me, glancing at the kid. Wishing they was dancing a jig. Here with this handsome kid. Sick a cigar right from Cuba, Cuba. Just bite it. It's for the look. I don't light it. Little way to am. They on the hands, they all play. Give it up, jiggy, make it feel like four play. Yo, my cardio is infinite. <laughs> Big Willie Styles all in it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. You on the ball with your kid? Watch your step, you might fall trying to do what I did. Mama, uh, mama, uh, I'ma come close in the middle of the club with the rubber dub. Uh, no love for the haters, the haters. Mad cause I got floor seats at the Lakers. See me on the 50 yard line with the Raiders. Met Ali, he told me I'm the greatest. I got the fever for the flavor of a crowd pleaser. DJ play another from the prison, Your Highness. Only bad chicks riding my whip. South to the west, to the east, to the north. Bump my hips and watch them go off. But go off and get shit sharp And you don't stop In the winter order Summertime I mix it high Getting jiggy with them Getting jiggy with it Getting jiggy with it Getting jiggy with it 850 IS if you need a lift. Who's the kid in the drop? Who else will slip? Living that life, some consider a myth. Rock from South Street to 125. Women used to tease me, give it to me now, nice and easy. Since I moved up like Georgia Weezy. Cream to the maximum, I'll be asking them. Would you like to bounce with your brother that's black enough? Never see Will attacking them. Rather play ball with Shaq enough, flat enough. Like, getting. Thought I took a spell, but I didn't. Trust the lady of my life, she hitting. Hit her with a drop top. With the ribbon, crib for my mom on the outskirts of Philly. You trying to flex on me? Don't be silly. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Welcome back, folks, and um, I just want to say that you're listening to the AA Live Show in association with the Friends from Otago Access Radio, uh, and that's on 105.4 FM, so check it out. Um, Mike, would you like to lead in our daily reflection? I'd be delighted to. Thank you, Tony. Uh, March 24th, the reading is active, not passive. Man and woman are supposed to think and act. He wasn't made to made in God's image to be an automatum, from as Bill sees it, page 55, and Bill was one of the co-founders of AA along with Dr. Bob. And the reading proper goes, 
Before I joined AA, I often did not think and reacted to people in situations. When not reacting, I acted in a mechanical fashion. After joining AA, I started seeking daily guidance from a power greater than myself and learning to listen for that guidance. Then I began to make decisions and act on them rather than react to them. The results of being constructive are no longer allow others to make decisions for me and then criticise me for it. Today and every day, with a heart full of gratitude and a desire for God's will to be done through me, my life is worth sharing, especially with my fellow alcoholics. Above all, if I do not make a religion out of anything, even AA, then I can be an open channel for God's expression. Thanks. Yeah, wonderful, cool. Mike. Um, you know, and that probably leads us into, the, I guess, today's uh, theme on the show, which is step three. And um, uh, step three is made a decision to turn our will and lives over to, to the care of God as we understood him. Um, you know, and AA is comprised of, of a set of 12 steps and a set of 12 traditions. And if you like, it's probably the engine of, of the program itself. Um, this is where the real work is uh, done with us, I suppose, and um, yeah, I, I um, each step, you know, because there's twelve steps, you know, each step can can correspond to a month in the year. So you know, it's a way of of just, you know, I guess organising it might be a, a word that you could use into a coherent sort of process in our, in our lives. Um, and um, you know, with that said. I uh, I think it's probably a good time to start um, into our, our interview tonight, and we've got an awesome story, um, Carol's story, um, with us tonight. So, without further ado, I think we'll just um, we'll head on into that. Hello, my name is Carol, and I'm an alcoholic. A bigger picture is um, my life, really, but I can uh, see it a little bit more clearly now that I've been an Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, where. Um, how my thinking changed from an early age. I grew up in a home where alcohol was never let through the front door. And um, I do not recall being a happy child. I was, um, I had three younger brothers, one older brother, so I was the only girl. And um, I guess there was a lot of conflict in the house, and I didn't understand at the time what the problem was that my father was an alcoholic and my mother was controlling and domineering and um, she tried to keep the alcohol out of the house. Uh, we, we grew up uh, weekend Catholics, went to church on Sundays, catechism, but there was no God in her house except for curses at the odd, at the odd time. Um, and I grew up knowing more as my father progressed into his alcoholism that um, the problem wasn't my dad, it was my mother. If she just let it in, if she just let us all have a drink, then we could be happy. And that was my, that was my attitude when I grew up, became a teenager. I uh, was an extremely painfully shy person. I did not know how to, I felt like I was born without any rules and how to be with other people. I was isolated quite a lot. Um, so alcohol, when I discovered it at 16, gave me that great relief that I could never get um, in my day-to-day life. And uh, I remember immediately I was out with, they could have been cousins, I don't know who they were, but they gave me a beer. And all of a sudden I felt that relief. And you know it took away the fear of my mother. 
And I remember walking back into the house and feeling like, you know, I can, you know, I don't have that anxiety. She can say whatever she wants, you know. And probably she did. I don't remember now. And that was one beer. That was just one beer. Uh, so um, my growing up, 17, I, 18, I went to uh, vocational school. And so I moved out of the house, and that was what I really wanted to do. I just wanted to get out of the house. And um, although my uh, I started a course um, at Polytech, and um, I flatted with another uh, girl, we none of us had very much money, but we could manage to get our and we were underage. We could manage to get our neighbor to buy us a flask now and again, and um, that was how I learned to enjoy myself to um, be able to have a little bit of fun because I'm a very serious person and um, it just worked for me in the beginning and that is also um, I mean another uh, this is kind of this is how I met the partner of my life through alcohol Um, older man could freely drink buy alcohol and it was the beginning of a long life of progressive alcoholism and and um, and I guess I wanted to escape and that's what I did I escaped through alcohol we um, met when I was 19 and uh, he was basically just working down in the states I'm originally from the states and he's a New Zealander by birth we um, you know, he's. I, I worked for a couple of years in um, hospital in Tacoma, and um, he invited me to come up to Vancouver. So I just immediately quit my job, without giving it any thought, despite people telling me it was not a good move. You know, despite everything, I just thought this is my escape, and I uh, quit my job, went up north, went into Vancouver, and. Um, started working up there and you know there were times when I thought I'd made a bad decision but my pride my pride kept me from you know saying hey this isn't all you know bed of roses here um, kept me where I was I could not go back and it's kind of been the story of my life it's kind of like I will plow through I will see red flags and I will not turn around because we, uh, we're in denial. We live in a fantasy world, a world that we want to believe is going to change and to our advantage. And what happens when it doesn't is we become um, not happy. We're just, we can become not happy again. Uh, I guess for me, I had, um, while we were in Canada, we had three daughters. And, you know, Basically, life was, we had good times too, you know, when it wasn't all bad. It, it was interesting, and we did a lot of things. Uh, some of the mistakes I made were made while I was drinking, and uh, those were things that I always resolved, I'm never going to do that again. And, um, and for the, so for the most part, we were like in Canada for 10 years, and uh, then we decided to move to Australia, which that is part of my story because that is the part where I realized I needed to drink. 
I needed to drink because I was so I was so unhappy with my life there. Um, we had no money. <laughs> it's kind of like all my dreams and aspirations were not going to be coming true, and I guess uh, it was a real struggle. Um, alcohol, we were still um, didn't have much money at the time. We had three kids, uh, bought two and a half acres, lived on the land, illegally, hidden, and so my life on top of everything else became very secretive. And... Um, and it was an accumulation of secrets, really, through my life, because I, I, as a sober person, I was still kind of uh, awkward with other people, and I was still shy. I wouldn't stand up for myself. I became passive-aggressive, um, nice to your face, and not nice when you're <laughs> turning the other way. Um, and my alcoholism got worse, you know. It got to where I was just so unhappy and I needed to drink more so we were there for seven years and uh, we came to New Zealand and you know when I got to New Zealand I thought I'm never going to let that happen again I'm not going to be like that again and um, I got a job I got a job employment and it looked on the outside like we were doing okay. Life was getting better. We bought a house eventually after five or six years. And our children were growing up. Uh, they were leaving home. Um, I could afford better alcohol. And we um, used it to unwind. In my working life, it was quite tense. And I liked to have a drink when I got home. Um, not every night, you know. Some, like I tried to not drink every night. Tried to um, control it. Tried to, uh, and sometimes I could control it. Um, but, you know, I, I worked with people who didn't drink like I did. So I didn't, get to, I didn't talk about my weekends. I didn't talk about what happened during the week. We, um, it became, everything became hidden. Every became, you know, if phone rang at night and I'd been drinking, I wouldn't want to answer it because uh, I wouldn't know who was there. Our daughters were not happy. It wasn't, um, it looked okay on the outside. We had a car, we had cars, we had jobs, we were doing all right, but I was needing more alcohol to just live. And, um, You know, it, things happened. We had lots of domestics. We had lots of arguments. Our children weren't happy. My my daughters didn't like me because I'm and like a two person. I'm two personalities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I became. I became the kind of person that wouldn't admit when I'm sober. I won't admit I'm mad. I will, uh, con you know, you know, keep it all inside. And I had, you know, my life had become to the part where I didn't really have people to talk to. So I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't know if I was depressed. So when I drank, I actually just exploded. And I would be so angry. And, you know, I'm in the opposite. I was the opposite of who I am sober. And um, that was the problem. And it wasn't until um, a simple thing, and I got locked out of the house one night for my behavior. And I'm, my youngest daughter is 18. 
and she was out. There was the other two had left home. <laughs> you know, they wanted to leave home as soon as they could too. I think um, I'm locked out of the house with my wine, and I don't even really remember what was it was about. Um, but I sat out in the bushes. It was winter. It was June, <laughs> and I was sitting. And I don't know my neighbors. We've just moved into this house not that long ago. And uh, I realize I'm totally alone in this world, and um, and I and I can't control my drinking. And so the thing is that my daughter came home; she let me in. And that at that moment, though, I realized that I have a problem with alcohol. It isn't just a family disease, although four of my brothers are alcoholic, and my father. Do you know what I mean? It was a family disease, and I denied that I had it because I didn't look like. I thought they looked as alcoholics, and I thought that I would be able to control it one day. I guess that night that I um, realized I have a problem with alcohol, a real problem with alcohol, not just a problem with alcohol, I have a problem with my living, <laughs> my life was a problem. Um, the next morning I phoned the 0800 number for Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm we were in Auckland, so um, they have like all hours. People answer the phone. So um, next morning was a Saturday morning. Pat answered the phone, and um, you know, I burst into tears. I said, "I think I'm an alcoholic," and I could not stop crying on the phone. And he just said, in his New Zealand accent. Just go make yourself a nice cup of tea and somebody will phone you. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was a turning point. I just, that was a scary thing to phone up to ask for help because I'm pretty self-sufficient and I don't very often ask for help for anything. And um, a young woman phoned me back and she she asked me if I would like to go to a al- meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous because it just happened to be one on a Saturday night in Papakura. And um, I said, yes, I would go. She asked me if she could pick me up, and I said, no way. <laughs> no way you can't pick me up. Because, um, you know, I was afraid of what I'd find. I didn't know if I'd be able to go in. Um, you know, to, and, um, But I did go. I went to the meeting. So I had fears. I had lots of fears. Um, You know, I knew a little bit about Alcoholics Anonymous because my uh, father and my brothers had been through the court system sent to Alcoholics Anonymous. And my oldest brother had gone to treatment center and um, he'd stopped drinking. So I knew a little bit about it, but I knew nothing about it. So um, I went to the meeting and I sat in the parking lot and I was trying to decide if I could actually get the strength to walk in. And she was waiting for me outside the door. So then I had <laughs> just got up, went in. And you know what? I heard people laughing in there. And I just thought, oh, what are they laughing about? This is such a serious, <laughs> a serious thing. No, there wasn't any laughter. And, you know, they looked at me, and I probably looked nothing like I looked look now or felt like and nothing like I feel now. I... um they welcomed me. They just were so happy to see me. I could not believe it. And um, I just had, they said, just sit down and listen to the um, similarities. 
and uh, so I did. I just sat there, but I can't. I really don't remember what I heard, but I just remember that warmth that I got, that I felt in the rooms. And I did see God on the wall. I didn't believe in God. Um, years and years of um, being a person who lived with an atheist and um, just never had to give it any thought, never had to think about a God. Um, they, but I did listen to the uh, similarities. I listened to how um, some of these guys felt. It was mainly men, too, mind, mind you. Very few women in that meeting. Um, but the thing is that they felt like I felt on the inside. Um, I didn't want to drink anymore. That was my, that was what my decision that night when I'm sitting out in the garden with my wine is I do not want to drink anymore. I don't do want to live like I was living anymore um, because I, I was like two people. I was, um, had a secret life. And um, I wanted to change that. So um, the meetings, there were three, three meetings a week that I went to in the beginning. The woman who met me at the door became my sponsor, and I felt like she could read my mind. <laughs> she would uh, talk to me, and uh, although, you know, and she would actually phone me and ask me how I am, and I was always fine. <laughs> <laughs> but she would have a way of uh, saying things that would make me... Um, cry <laughs> because I realized I wasn't fine after all um, so I just went to meetings and in, in the early days that's what I did I went to meetings, sat and listened um, nervously uh, shared okay, uh, you know we, in Papakura you had to go stand in the front of the meeting room to share and I was so unused to speaking uh, other than a few syllables, I found it really hard. I found it really hard to do that. But the, the thing is that as I continued going, I realized that everyone feels fear and that I can overcome fear. And, um, and I came to believe in this God of my understanding, which I didn't call God in the beginning. I called him my higher power. And um, I looked at the steps and the first step was the, the first step, but coming to believe in this higher power was something that I needed to work on and I needed to practice. And I needed to look back in my life and see where I had been um, safeguarded. And, um, you know, although some things were difficult, they could have been worse. And I guess that's how I came to believe um, in this power that's greater than me and in the rooms. Life was changing in the fact that I was sober and that um, my life with my husband, I was, I was learning how to detach with love. You could say detach with love. To, because my mother was a dominant woman, I ended up with a dominant husband. <laughs> it's a funny thing. <laughs> and so I guess for me, it was learning to live within house with another person who was continuing drinking that uh, didn't fully understand me and um, and I learned to detach so that I could live with this person you know um, let go of my expectations um, I guess for me most of my uh, alcoholism was about blaming other people for my life not being what I thought it should have been 
and um, all of a sudden I realized it's up to me to change the things that I need to change in my daily life. Um, nothing came immediately, because, but I did. I'll tell you, in the beginning, my um, serenity prayer was the prayer I said constantly because I needed to be grounded a lot. My emotions, without the alcohol, my emotions were still all over the place. So I started putting in place um, practices that would help me just to, you know, to live and to be with, maybe would have less fear about things um, and trusting that this spirit of the universe, this God that, that I was getting to know or felt like I was getting to know was going to help me. Um, my sponsor had a big part in my life in early days um, with the big book, talking about the big book, what was in it. Um, but I was also an avid reader because, you know, I wanted, I wanted um, to understand what was in the big book. I wanted to understand how this works. And I wanted that peace and serenity that I used to get from alcohol, <laughs> although briefly. <laughs> Slowly in a sense that, um, you know, in my thinking and my attitude, I realize I have to change how I think and how my attitude about life and my expectations and um, being the kind of person that um, I am, it did take a little bit longer than might take some of the other people. I was 48 years old when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous and that was in uh, June 10th, 1995. So I, I, I think in those days there was not all the... Um, I just had the big book. That's all I had. And I read it, and I underlined it, and I highlighted it. And I, um, I realized through my un discomfort, as a sober person, I went through the steps because if I do the next step, then I'll feel better. If I do the next step, I'll feel better. So I continued to do it that way. Um, and my, live, my life did change um, because I was sober and I could see things differently. You know, I love how Carol, you know, is talking about, you know, how the process, uh, the real, the, the journey that she's had and, and coming from where she is into a new place. Um, and, you know, with that said, guys, you know, what are some of your thoughts um, on, you know, step three and, you know, turning your life over to the care of mm. God as you understand him, you know? Oh, yeah, look, um, step three, uh, beginning of the action steps, I think, is another way of, uh, I've heard it said, you know, and, you know, I, just to say to people, you know, like if you're a, a participant in Alcoholics Anonymous, if, you know, like I say, if these opinions vary from what your sponsor's told you, then probably listen to your sponsor. Um, but because um, that was the way it came for me, it, it, sometimes well, I think it has been a, a bit of an individual sort of uh, process, and, um, but certainly, a, um, being in the um, third month and our, our meetings have a f theme around that and certainly it, it's always good to revisit these things so say um, keeping uh, the um, whole notion of what we were talking about in step two in the previous month you know like it's finding a power greater than myself because I have to really take that back to that and then I, that way I don't get too um, hung up on what that concept of a power greater than myself is, and a God is, and, and it's probably the first time in the steps when it's talked about God as we understood Him, and so there's a, 
there's still a we in it. There's still work we're doing together, and uh, your own understanding of it is, brings in that individuality, I suppose. So um, I've uh, had a lot of um, experience with the step. I've been down on my knees. I don't mind admitting, admitting that to you um, because I realised that managing, I was managing my life, and, and it stopped me from... Um, uh, being able to fully participate in the in, in the first step, in fact, I, you know, as long as I thought I could manage things, I it was ma- difficult for me to make the decision, and you know, the decision in the third step to turn my will and my life over, and and there's just that statement there is fairly powerful always to me, and it's something that I need to keep current in my sober living, day to day, twenty four hours a day. You know what is it? My will. I can sometimes. I can certainly make a decision, and I can certainly take that decision back. Uh, you know, minutes later, if sometimes. You know, so um, there's that uh, to contend with, and then there's turning my life over. What does my life look like uh, to, to to turn it over to the care of a, of of God? You know, um, that can sometimes be a little bit different from what my will in my life is. Uh, sometimes my life means that I get up. Have a shave, um, you know. Dresses, you know, as you know, that's as as tidily as I can, and, and just go about those things. Things that were never a, a, a priority in my drinking days. I can tell you that right now. It was just like you get up, grab whoever's clothes were around, and whoever got up first was the best dressed, sort of thing. And mm. you know, so um, it was certainly a change of life, and. Um, and it was the beginning of that the actions that I could take, you know. First of all, you know, knowing that um, there was a, a degree of surrender in this step that said that I, um, I I needed to put aside my own old ideas about how I how I was living my life, how I was managing my life, and for some new ideas that uh, like if I was tired and in sobriety, uh, you know, the suggestion was have a sleep. That was it, you know. I thought I had to sit up all night and think about things. Um, I didn't realise that that was my own will holding me there, and, and to my, you know, and, and it wasn't doing me any good. So, look, I've, I've probably, you know, had a good uh, go at this particular step, and it, and it just goes on, as as already said about, and more about alcoholism ad infinitum. It's a it's a daily um, process, and it continues on and. No one step um, doesn't build on to another, as Tony alluded to. And so that's some of my experience with the third step and, and a lot more to, that goes with that as well. Mm, no, yeah, thanks, Victor. I really appreciate that. Mm. Mike, have you got any thoughts you'd like to share? Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that, um, uh, Victor. And thank you, Tony. Yeah, well, my name's Mike. I'm still an alcoholic. And, uh, yeah, steps one, two, and three, I mean, I, I, I just sum them up as uh, I can't, he can. And step three, I'll let him. And it's just a process of ongoing and constant and daily surrender, sometimes on a moment-by-moment basis. It's a complete surrender because uh, I used to uh, imagine that uh, I, I was in control and if I just drank enough and if I just suffered enough, then the the drinking would, 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 would be a base metal that turned into gold and my suffering would be transformed into ecstasy uh, and I just thought I just have to endure long enough to 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 make that breakthrough and the breakthrough never did come things simply got worse and worse and so step three is simply a process of surrender understanding that 
life is a tidal wave that en- engulfs me every day um, in, 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 in the seemingly endless um, uh, uh, seemingly endless cycle of pain bills, meeting people, making it to jobs, fulfilling my social obligations, and sometimes I just get so overwhelmed. And I just suddenly thought, well, just treat it like a wave and just ride it and just cope with as much as you can on a daily basis as you can and not worry about the rest. And so it's letting go and letting God, knowing that I'm I'm looked after and I'm protected. And uh, one of the one of the key facets is that in this program I, I don't think less of myself, but I just try and think of myself less. And sometimes I, I, I just say to myself, I will just try and be the values and the the um, the principles of the program. And I won't worry about what am I or how am I doing or how do I look or how am I doing. I just say, just be as much of the program as you can be. Because I used to think that surrender would be a, um, a capitulation, uh, a surrendering of my identity and of my uh, intelligence. I used to think, gee, if I surrender to anything, be it the program or anything else, I'll turn into a mollusk. You know, like the Simpsons, you know, where Mr. Burns says, Smithers, who is that mollusk? Why, that's Homer Simpson, sir. You know, and I was worried I'd turn into Homer Simpson, but I'm not Homer Simpson. I never will be. And and the mad thing about the program, the delightful thing, is is that surrender has led to liberation. So, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a process. Step three to me is surrender. Just mm-hmm. surrender to the program, surrender to the good, and events will take place that look after themselves. Yeah, no, th- um, thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. And, um, you know, I might have a slightly mm. different take, and that's the beauty of, of, mm. of our program is we all have slivers of, of how we uh, see this particular um, step. Mm. Now, I think the thing for me that, that sort of makes this thing come alive is the knowledge that I drank religiously. I drank at a certain time every day. You know what I mean? There were, I, I, I was actively religious in, in, in an act. That, that I was um, undertaking in a behaviour and um, it was a revelation to see that I could come out of that that constraint and into something that's actually alive and freeing and um, you know what I get out of step three is I made a decision to turn um, well made a decision to turn our will you know it's talking about it's talking about we not I um, so the way I see it is it it allows me to learn um, to see a wider picture than the one I currently have um, you know, and I, I struggle with God, the God word and all that sort of stuff, um, as I think a lot of us do, because, you know, we, we have resentments. We, we might have grown up in a Christian home. We might have gone to a Catholic church. You know, we might have and have said that that's not for me. So, of course, to be hit with God again <laughs> at your lowest <laughs> moment, so to speak, sounds a bit unfair. But but the reality is, um, you know, um, as, as we understood him, uh, meaning that I came in, Somewhere, and I, I, you know, and there was a place for me to grow. And, um, you know, um, it's definitely not a place where one person tells you how you should think. Um, this is a, this is a, um, a program where, where you're allowed to explore and grow. And that's what I love about step three. It's, um, it's, it's an, an invite. It's an invite mm. to, through a process of, of surrender, as I've heard it there. And um, also what I like is, perhaps you might have noticed, listeners, we have three different slightly takes mm. on the same uh, step. So I think, you know, um, then that's the, that's the beauty of the program as well. Um, yeah, so, no, thanks, guys. I really, really appreciated your, um, your sharing.
Um, I think um, what we might uh, do is head off into a. We've got a bit of a Will Smith day today because I love uh, a bit of bit of eighties, bit of Will Smith, and um, so I, we're going to go. We're going to go with a bit of uh, just the two of us. And now this is a very sensitive subject. Against wrong, choose right and be standing up. From the hospital that first night, took an hour just to get the car seat in right. People driving off fast got me kind of upset. Got you home safe, placed you in your bassinet. That night, I don't think one wink I slept as I slipped out my bed to your crib. I crept, touched your head gently, felt my heart melt because I knew I loved you more than life itself. Into my knees, and I begged the Lord, please let me be a good daddy. All he needs love, knowledge, discipline, too. I pledge my life to you. Trust the children. We can make it if we try. Uh, just me and you. Just me and you. Just the two of us. <laughs> just the two of us. Woo. Building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. You and uh, I. Uh. Five years old, bringing comedy. Every time I look at you, I think, man, a little me just like me. See, gonna be tall makes me laugh cause you got your dad's ears and all Sometimes I wonder what you gonna be A general, a doctor, maybe a MC I wanna kiss you all the time But I will test that butt when you cut out a line True that, uh-uh-uh, why you do that? I try to be a tough dad, but you be making me laugh Crazy joy, when I see the eyes of my baby boy I pledge to you, I will always do everything I can Show you how to be a man Dignity, integrity, honor and I don't mind If you lose long as you came with it And you can cry, ain't no shame in it It didn't work out with me and your mom But yo, push come to shove, you was conceived in love So if the world attacks and you slide off track Remember one fact, I got your back Just the two of us We can make it if we try Just the two of us Just me and you Against the world Time job to be a good dad. You got so much more stuff than I had. I gotta study just to keep with the changing times. 101 Dalmatians on your CD ROM. CD, I'm trying to pretend I know on my PC where that CD go. But yo, ain't nothing promised. One day I'll be gone. Feel the strife, but trust life does go on. But just in case, it's my place to impart. One day some girl's gonna break your heart. And ooh, ain't no pain like from the opposite sex. Gonna hurt bad, but don't take it out on the next. Throughout life, people will make you mad. 
Disrespect you and treat you bad Let God deal with the things they do Cause hate in your heart will consume you too Always tell the truth Say your prayers, hold doors Pull out chairs, easy on the swears You're living proof that dreams come true I love you and I'm here for you Just the two of us We can make it if we try Just me and you Just me and you Taking the world Down, uh -uh. hold my hand, hold my hand. <laughs> Just me and you. I'm uh. always here for you. Look over your shoulder. I'll be there. Whatever you need, Ooh. just call on me. We gon' rise. Whatever We you gon' need, shine. I'll be <laughs> there for you anytime. You and I. True that. True that. Just the two. Of Woo. You're listening to AA Live on uh, 105.4 FM with their friends, the Targo Access Radio. Uh, and um, I just think it'd be lovely to head back to Carol, uh, Carol's story and just um, you know, hear her, her thoughts on, on what life's like now. Um, yeah, so let's do that. After a period of time in Alcoholics Anonymous, I started uh, sponsoring women, and um, that was the beginning of a different, you know, it really enhanced my recovery um, to work with others. I was, the meeting that I would, that I went to, I was given a commitment at the meeting. Within a very short period of time, they gave me um, little these little sayings to to bring to the meeting they gave me a, something to do there and for me that was like I, I am I would almost resistant at the beginning because I thought well this is a commitment I'm going to have to keep coming <laughs> <laughs> I was also one of those people who couldn't say no to people so um, I just uh, showed up every week with my little sayings think 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 but for the grace of god um and um you know it kept me coming to meetings and then we, uh, we'd have a turnover the rotation and then i would give those to somebody else and i would get a tea and tea and coffee commitment and in those days you had to take the crate with the teapot and the cups and everything in the boot of your car and take it home and bring it back the following week. So you really had to show up. <laughs> Everybody be waiting for their coffee and tea. Um, those kind of commitments were important to me because I, um, I needed a reason to be somewhere and I needed to start to feel like I belonged because um, I had never felt like I belonged anywhere in my life, um, totally. 
So this was uh, something that helped me to grow, to um, become part of this organization, Alcoholics Anonymous. And that was just a beginning for me to do something for somebody else and have it not be all about me all the time. Um, so it kind of went from there, and I had different positions over the, a period of time. I was the um, secretary and the treasurer and the literature person, and those are jobs that, are, that we need to have done in in groups, AA groups, home groups. So I considered my Saturday meeting to be my home group, and for me, that was like my home, and the people that came to the meeting became like my family members in a sense um, I don't know it's just that it kind of grows and grows in you because you become part of the greater picture of Alcoholics Anonymous my life has changed dramatically for the good and I have a, a certain amount of I have that peace and serenity that I always wanted and was never able to get through the um, through a bottle um, and my my children are grown women now, and I'm proud of them, and they're proud of their mother. Yes, so is one day at a time. I start the day with God. I, um, you know, I do my morning meditation and prayer. I end the day thanking God for my day. I get an opportunity to work with others. That, um, and that's to me a bonus in my life. Um, is that I can see other people recovering, too. I can see everyone, you know, not all of them. Some of them have to go out and um, try it one more time. But I can see that they can come back in and, and that they get they can get hope, too, in the rooms. The same hope that I got 22 years ago is still available to anyone. My life has changed for the good, and I'm grateful for everything that's been offered to me in AA. I just know that I have to do the next right thing and uh, for me I am putting my hand up I'm putting my hand up to churn up and to do a little bit more because it's it, by by doing it for others I, I get healthier and more well and um, you know there are times when I still have a bit of fear and I found the best thing for me to do is I do this, I breathe in God I breathe out fear so I kind of get myself down again so that I can do do the things that I put my hand up for. And um, being on the radio, thank you so much. Well, guys, I, I think we're sort of heading um, near the end of the show. Um, look, uh, Victor, would you like to, is there any announcements you'd like to um, shout out there, really? Yeah, sure. Um, I just wanted to, how do you get in contact with us? And um, so I've got a couple of um, email addresses in a phone number. So the phone number to uh, contact the Alcoholics Anonymous is 0800 AA Works. That's 0800 229 6757. I say that number again. That's 0800 229 6757. So that'll get you to a, a menu that'll take you, to, and then just you can um, find your way to your local area. Most areas have a, someone manning their phone, and you'll be able to speak to an alcoholic. Also, the uh, New Zealand website for Alcoholics Anonymous is aa.org.nz. That'll take you to our general service um, site where there's 
tons of stuff about what's happening in Alcoholics Anonymous. There's um, access to literature and, and again, the AA um, meetings list throughout um, the country. So that um, website, again, is aa.org.nz. That'll take you to General Service Office in Wellington. And you have, a, in, for those in the Otago area, we have um, an Otago intergroup um, contact. That's PO Box 6115 Dunedin North, Dunedin 9059. You can send your, um, you can have contact with the local intergroup and find out about meetings and so forth there. Also, if you had any comments you'd like to just drop a line and um, that can be feedback here, it can be feedback through intergroup or you could um, contact uh, uh, AA. Uh, Access Otago Access Radio and leave a message with them to if there was something that you wanted to follow up on, and also you can download our po- podcasts as well by going to the Otago Access Radio um, site and just um, going to the podcast section. Um, what other things have I got to say there? Um, those are our contact um, details anyway, and like I say, if you, if you missed that, just go to the um, Otago Access Radio and you'll find all those um, details up there on our um, Alcoholics on AA Live site. Lovely. Thanks, Victor. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, thanks, gentlemen, for being um, in the studio tonight with us and, and sharing on the show. It's great. Gentlemen, it's been a privilege of flying with you. <laughs> Lovely. Always. Always. <laughs> and uh, folks out there, we hope to see you at, a, at an AA meeting soon, so mm-hmm. uh, don't be a stranger. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.